Books, Dantry Leyland. Hello and welcome to part two of Michael Does a Star Trek. <laughs> yes, my son Michael, hello. Hello. Is here again, where we follow up on last week's discussion. It may be a week, it may be a month. I don't yeah, know when I'm going to release these. I know, I, I went away, I, I lived a week, and it brought me back. <laughs> I kept you in the cupboard, <laughs> under the stairs. Well, like that, you know, I didn't want to throw you under the bus about that. I was well, willing to That wizard lad it, is under it, there, isn't he? <laughs> Did you see him? Well, when you go back far enough, and yeah. you know, I do live quite far back in the closet, and in the world there's, there's this leprechaun dude, there's a talking lion, it's, it's magical back there. Wow, that, that does sound pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we are here to continue our Star Trek discussion. Last time we discussed the original and best Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek. Uh, Michael continued this journey into the next generation. But what was interesting, what I did want to ask you is obviously a lot of people get into this stuff as kids. Mm-hmm. And that's where the fondness becomes. And certainly I got into Star Trek as a child. You didn't. No. So you don't have that fondness for it, although you did watch it like occasionally with me. Yeah. And you must have seen at least some of the films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd watched Rathacom plenty. Yes, well, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you probably agree with this. There's always something throughout a lot of your childhood you kind of actively try to dislike the things your parents like. Because... Like Planet of the Apes, you you wanna you know you wanna find the things that you like, you mm. wanna get into your own interests, but then somewhere kind of along the way. And I remember in my first year of uni, it was like, actually, you know, these REM albums are pretty good. <laughs> Guns and Roses, they weren't bad. Deftones, Alice in Chains, Tori Amos, and kind of they're not a bad band, eh? Rediscovering those things that your parents like that you've actively tried to ignore and dislike and just go in. Oh, actually, actually no. my parents were quite cool. Um, Not a Neil Diamond album in the rough. <laughs> did you see a diamond in the relight when I did? I did. I did. Just realising, hang on, it's me who likes the outdated Bruce Springsteen records. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I am the outdated one. My parents were cooler than me. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, like, like you know, like uh, avoiding the things your parents like and then rediscovering them going, it's all right, actually, yeah. it? this is really good. And that I guess Star Trek was another one of those. I don't watch Tribe. You know, okay, so so coming into it as an adult, and um, yeah, which we laughingly refer to you as, yeah, um, and like as as we discussed last week, last time, and just finding this kind of adult show, yeah, uh, you know, was was really was really interesting. This thing you kind of, it was a rediscovery of sorts. I'd seen it; it had always been there my mm. entire life. You know, I've never lived without. A Star Trek, yeah. But then rediscovering it as an adult to discover this adult show, and all this came about from seeing adverts for Strange New Worlds. Uh, yeah, and literally being sat next to someone watching Picard and going, yeah. oh, "I've never actually seen that." Let's give so it. So, it is is that your ultimate plan to watch all of the shows, or are you going to go from next generation? to the next generation movies to Picard? Yeah, or at the very least, the plan was to at least do the quote-unquote mainline ones. Yeah. So I wanted to watch the original because, you know, why not? Yeah. And why then, not, indeed? And then, you know, to move on to the next generation era yeah. as it is, not necessarily just the show, but the kind of era, because I've never seen any of them. And then, yeah, I'm kind of 
undecided on whether I'm going to go straight into Picard or whether I'm going to continue doing release order. Yeah, and save Picard till later. See, because the issue with that, how much of Picard do you know about? Very little other than a lot of people are coming back for it. Right, because you kind of have to at least have an awareness of Voyager. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, like I said, finish off the Next Generation era, which is those three shows. See, because it's interesting that I fall away a little bit from Star Trek around Voyager and Enterprise. Okay. Because of you lot. Right. You arrive. Your brother arrives. I had arrived. Wait, when did those shows start then? I know Voyager started in 95. Oh, right, so it was Voyager when that yeah. came along. Okay. So Voyager started, Next Generation finished in 94, Voyager picks up after Next Generation because Next Generation moves to movies. Yeah. Voyager runs from like 95 to 2001, something like that. Okay, yeah. And then Enterprise picks up. Deep Space Nine overlaps Next Generation. Yes. And yeah. Voyager. Voyager. So I finished up Deep Space Nine because I was invested. And I started Voyager. But there is like a bit of a a gap, a genre TV gap, mm. whereas prior to you arriving, right. I'd give a go any new genre science fiction TV show. Okay. Anything. Because there weren't that many of them. Babylon 5 was around that time. Babylon 5 ended about 95, 96, 97, yeah. So I was already invested in Babylon 5. Right. I'm already invested in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Yeah. For sci-fi they shows. shows as well, aren't they? Yeah, they're both yeah. Sound of Space Station. Deep Babylon 5 is Lord of the Rings, basically. Yeah. And its five-year art was planned out from the beginning, but he had to alter bits as actors fell away and stuff like that. Right. Deep Space Nine only becomes art-driven around season four when Worf comes aboard. Okay. When the producers, who were very <clears throat> steadfast in the know we make single-episode shows because we're making it for syndication. Yeah. We have no control over how they're going to syndicate this, mm-hmm. so we can't have... Ultra multi-episode art because we don't know which order they're going to show up in. Yeah, the new producer comes into Deep Space Nine, Iris Stephen Burr, around season four, and he basically goes, "But this show doesn't make sense to be purely episodic. Unlike the Enterprise, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. So if we make a stink, we have to live with the smell. Yeah. And that basically generated loads of characters coming back." Okay. So Plain Simple Garrick started as a one-shot. They loved what Andy Robinson did with him. They brought him back. Okay. Martok started as a one-shot. They loved what the actor did. They brought, and eventually you get to season seven of Deep Space Nine. And the recurring characters now outnumber the main cast. Okay. And some of the more memorable characters in Deep Space Nine are those recurring characters. It's Martok. Right. It's Garrick. It's Kai Wynn. It's every single character that um, the reanimator plays. Okay. And he plays about eight of them. Yeah. He's constantly coming back as a new character. So and that ends up, as we get there, and again, I'm only you know one season in, that is my least aspect of the show. It is the stationary part of it. Yeah. It is the kind of taking this show that is about exploration and just making it stationary. Um, yeah, well, I like Roddenberry's original a- analogy that Star Trek is wagon train yeah. and it's moving across the plains from yeah. outpost to outpost. But if that's the case, then Deep Space Nine is Gunsmoke and you're watching Marshall Dillon yeah. try to make law in a lawless city. I, I, I get that, but at the same time, it's you know it's called Star Trek. My mm. favourite thing about it is... That we trek. trek through the stars. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very late to the party to criticise this yeah. new show. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> From 1992. Yeah, and I'm still very early into it, but 
it's been and as we'll discuss it was difficult for me to adapt to next generation it's been even more so to adapt to deep space nine well it's, it's there's a lot of people who, who still feel the same i like i said next generation started i was still in high school mm-hmm so just adapting, it was more a case of there's a new Star Trek show, that's cool. Because right. I'd only been a Star Trek fan about three or four years at that point. Okay. I'd always watched it, because yeah. Nan liked Star Trek. So I watched Star Trek. She liked Shatner. She liked, she, yeah, she liked Bill Shatner. She liked James Garner. She did all of that yeah. stuff. So we watched Star Trek. So I watched it. But I only became a fan. Because this was your yeah, show. when Because it was an old show when I was growing up. Yeah. It was long dead. Well, something we didn't touch upon previously as star trek gained popularity in its reruns yeah. didn't it yeah it, it gained popularity in the 70s it was never off the bbc mm. from when they started showing it in 1969 yeah they showed star trek pretty much continuously through 1982 so this popularity and never had it gained within its yeah reruns. it never yeah. waned it, it, their episodes clocking up six seven screenings on bbc through the 70s okay and then the films happen so i'm coming into it as a fran- it's not a dead franchise. Yeah. If you think about it. I was only seven when the next, the motion picture comes out. Six mm-hmm. or seven, something like that. And then DC Comics start doing a Star Trek comic book. Okay. In 1983. In between Star Trek 2 and 3. Right. And what's brilliant about comics of that time. Doing adaptations like that. Like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. The stories are new. And they're set in the modern time frame. Right. So Star Wars comics made between 78 and 1980 all take place between Star Wars and Empire. Mm-hmm. After Empire, they take place in between Empire and Jedi. Okay. After Jedi, they take place in Jedi. So these Star Wars, Star Trek comics... Are- did the same thing. Yeah. Star Trek 2 has happened. The comic picks up in the wake of Star Trek 2. Right. Kirk is given the Enterprise and a bunch of cadets. Yeah. The idea being these cadets go out with an experienced commander. But you can pick your command crew. So obviously he picks Bones and Scotty and Uhura. Yeah. And all of that lot. But his crew are basically all new cadets and that they essentially do the next generation. Right. Before the next generation. Okay. So it's kinda like what happens with uh like the Batman animated show had Robin yeah. for like younger audience, but for Star Trek. Yeah, and Savick stays on board as his science officer. Right, because she gets swiftly swept away. Yeah, well, so for those first nine issues, she's a major character. Okay. And the reason for doing this, they say, is they don't just want to do the original series again. Yeah. They want to do new stories. Uh, And they give a lot of play to Savick. They tell her origin and how she was uh, raped. Her mum was raped by a Romulan. Right. And that's why she's half Romulan, half Vulcan, which was mentioned a lot in the novel. But less so in the film. Cut out of the film. Right, okay. Burley mentioned, Burley alluded to in the film. This happens concurrently with the BBC starting a brand new rerun of the show. Right. Erring in order for the first time. Prior to oh, this, okay, yeah. the BBC showed Star Trek in... They, they had a sack yeah. of episodes, and they stuck their hand in the sack, pulled out a videotape, and that's the one they showed. Because is it your DVD collection is in a different order to, say, like the IMDb list or something? The VHS were released in transmission order, the DVD are in production order. Okay, right. Production order makes more sense. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. But the BBC started showing it in release order. They showed the man trap. Right. That, whereas we actually started where, where No Man Has Gone Before. The first episode the BBC ever showed was Where No Man Has Gone Before, so they got it right. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But episode three was City on the Edge of Forever. All right, okay. So yeah. they randomly, so they start showing it. So the first episode I saw in this run was Charlie X. 
Right, which is one. Which it's episode the first one, isn't three. it? Three. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because there's, there's the man trap. And then, yeah. no, so it's episode two, yeah, then yeah. Charlie X, then Where No Man Has Gone Before. Uh, mm. And I'm buying the comic because of beautiful George Perez cover. Yeah, I saw that the other day, yeah. Yeah, because it was posted to celebrate like his birthday or how, yeah. when he died or whatever. And that's what made me a fan. Right. This idea that he'd had this weight of history behind it. That I was reading these comics because I hadn't seen the motion picture of Star Trek 2. Right. But the characters were now older than what I was watching on TV. It's the same thing I loved about Spider-Man. Mm. I was reading him as a 20-something. The comics were when he was a teenager. Right. And those comics got me, made me a fan of the show. Okay. And that's how I got into the original Star Trek. But if you think about it then, yeah. I've only been a fan for five years before the next generation comes along. Well, and at that point as well, the films had only just acknowledged the yeah. aging cast and that becomes a part of the show from the second one is that, you know, the age and the history. Yeah, so I, I go out, Star Trek The Motion Picture, distinctly remember this, Star Trek The Motion Picture receives its television premiere on ITV in between the BBC's re-earing of the Menagerie. So I see part right. one of the Menagerie, I see Star Trek The Motion Picture, I see part two of the Menagerie. That's bizarre. Yeah, I go out and rent Star Trek 2. So I rent yeah. Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan, right. and then I'm concurrent then. And then with issue nine, they adapt the search for Spock. Right. And then they follow the search for Spock with adventures set Absolutely. in the new timeline. So they've just got the main character back yeah. as well. Yeah. But what they do then is they give Spock his own command. Right. And they alternate stories. Yeah. One issue is Spock in command of the Surat with his new crew. Yeah. The next issue is Kirk Which... on the Excelsior. Because yeah, the Enterprise oh, yeah, is blown yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, well, that makes sense as well, because later on in the films, he is Captain Spock as well. Yes. So that, that works as well, so, yeah. But what's the problem with that when they reach Star Trek Four? They have to undo his mind meld because to put him back on Vulcan. With Star Trek Four being the conclusion yeah. that just erases... But as far as I'm concerned, those stories are canonical, because there is an absolutely brilliant 20th anniversary story where tomorrow is yesterday, they overshoot by 20 years. <laughs> and the TV show crew of the first season meet the crew of the movie era. And movie era Spock and TV era Spock have to figure out a way to catapult them back 20 years, which is much more difficult because it's like a short span. That seems like... It's um, fan fiction of the highest order. It's, it's a very convoluted way to address a minor nitpick. Yeah, but it, the idea of the... the, the film, the comics are, yeah. is to just give us this fun meeting of TV Kirk with movie Kirk and so on and so forth. Yeah. I, do you not think that kind of takes away something? You're not allowing these characters to age. You're treating them as two separate characters. This isn't, yeah, they never this meet, isn't the yeah, same Spock, but, but they don't remember it's, it. Yeah, right. Okay. They, do, they do the Tomorrow's Yesterday thing. They appear back at the exact moment that they left. So the TV show crew don't remember I, meeting the movie But crew. I kind of feel that's not necessarily insulting, but you're not allowing these characters to grow up and mature. You're treating them as two separate characters. Yeah. Yeah, it's fan fiction of the highest order, but it's a fun story. Right. And then they go into the adaptation of Star Trek Four. Right where they have to undo the events of what happened before. And then after Star Trek 4, it kind of meanders a bit mm. because they're doing what they didn't want to do, which was just repeating the TV show. Right. Because they got the Enterprise back and they got Spot back and Savick's nowhere to be seen anymore. Right. So they kind of meander a little while and this book get cancelled. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes back, 
it comes back with a comic book adaptation of Star Trek V leading into the missions after five and before six, because people have worked out chronologically. If Star Trek the Motion Picture is two and a half years after the original series ended, right. after the original five-year mission, okay. Star Trek Two clearly says it's 15 years after Space Seed. Right. So people have decided there has to be a five-year mission after Star Trek the Motion Picture. Okay. On the new Enterprise, which right. is fine. I'm the down with that. five-year yeah. journey. Okay. So Kirk, now in his 40s, mm-hmm. does another five-year mission with his crew. I'm right. down with that. But then people have surmised that Star Trek's 2, 3, and 4 take place over no more than four months. Okay. Because Star Trek 2 happens. Yeah. Star Trek 3 picks up on the way home from Star Trek 2. Yeah. Star Trek 4 picks up three months after Star Trek 3. Yeah. So people have surmised that for Star Trek Six to happen at retirement age for these characters, if yeah. we assume retirement age to be around 70 years of age by that point, okay. maybe older, but whatever, then there's a five-year mission after Star Trek Five, Right. To bring them all up to, to their age. Mm-hmm. So Star Trek Five, they leave Space Dock, find out that the ship's a dog, yeah. bring it back, Scotty's supposed to fix it, and they all have shore leave. So Star Trek V is the beginning of a new five-year mission. Okay. And that's when the new comic takes place in that five-year mission. Right. They also spin Sulu off onto his own ship, the Excelsior. Which we know he does have. And then they do a similar thing where they have ent- stories with the Enterprise mm-hmm. and stories with the Excelsior and Sulu's new crew. Okay. As this is happening, Next Generation is in its second season... Right, yeah. And DC get the rights to do a Star Trek The Next Generation comic, but the Next Generation comic is never as interesting as Star Trek okay. because it, they, they're not allowed to do anything. So by this point, Paramount keeps a much tighter leash on them. Yeah. Whereas when they were doing the earlier stuff, they could set the stories in between the films and, and retcon them and do what they yeah. wanted. By the time this comes along, no, you have to set the stories in between episodes. Mm. So essentially, they're just doing another episodes of the next gen, but next gen's on TV every week. So why read? So it? why bother? Yeah, and I never found the next generation comic as fun as the original series comic because of those limitations. Yeah, because yeah. at least with the original series comic, you say, well, now this is another a third five year mission. Yeah, they're all much older men. Okay, so Kirk doesn't find doing the Kirk Fu as easy as he used to. Right. They're able to play around with that and do more intelligent stories. And the next generation, well, you just get another episode of the show every week or every month. Right. And there's not a lot they can do with that. Mm. And I think that's a trap the next generation fell into all the way through until Picard. Okay. The, the series finishes. Six months later, you've got Star Trek Generations. Yeah. So there's no character development there. Yeah. So when uh, Next Generation started, the first thing became more abundantly apparent is it was more character driven yeah less so now you still have your um you know your standalone episodes but it was very definitely uh an encounter at four point you've got these characters with the history but not only is that history just the backstory that carries on yeah uh, and so that's what separated it on that kind of initial view, and it's like, oh, this is a different show because you can tell that this is going to be an overarching story. Well, you've you've got two things playing into the one. You're now following the TV landscape where Hill Street Blues has happened. 
Right. So American television has finally realised, wait a minute, serialised can be done. Yeah. Whereas prior to that, everything was done in what? Right. And in the 80s, you get Hill Street Blues, Mm -hmm. which does continuing storylines and was really the progenitor for that on American television. Okay. But Magnum does continuous character arcs as well. Yeah. Which a lot of people overlook. But suddenly you've got this idea that you can do a little bit more with serialization. Mm. The second thing you've got also a Hill Street Blues thing is the ensemble TV show. Okay. So you've got Hill Street Blues, you've got LA Law going on, you've got Ali McBeal. Yeah. These shows aren't just about the title character. There's no star of Hill Street right. Blues. Yeah, yeah. They're all it's an ensemble piece, and that's the idea going into the next generation. Where right. Star Trek Kirk's the star. Yeah. And he's surrounded and ably abetted by Spock and McCoy. Right. And everyone else just kind of exists. Well, I think at least in the first three or so seasons, that's not the case with Next Generation. It is the Picard show. I, I would argue it's the Picard and Data show. Mm, and it's 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 later on when you get to like seasons four when it's more Worf. Well, Worf, heavy. exactly. Yeah. They Worf. want Riker to be the stud. Yeah. Riker never really takes off as a character for me. And I've mentioned this before. I love Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Jonathan Frakes has a really cool sense of a sense of humour. He has yep. a real sense of self-awareness. Yeah. He's aware of his place. He's aware of how lucky he is and this directorial career mm-hmm. he segued into when the acting dried up. Yeah. So he knows his place. He knows he's very lucky. Mm-hmm. Riker is a massive fucking stiff. I never the entire show. I never glommed onto Riker. No, no, it's he like chills out a bit. Season one, yeah, totally. he chills out a bit as he goes along. If the entire seven seasons was just Captain Riker, I would lap that up. Would, I would you? Watch. I love Riker. See, I, easily, I find him stiff. Easily my favorite character, and he what? Uh, yeah, that that first season is rough going, and it's when he gets to the beard. And he's such a suckle to Picard, isn't he? No! In the first season, where Picard has his speech about, we are just men, electrochemical in nature, <laughs> and Riker's, oh, Captain Picard, you're so correct. And what that first episode where he actively goes against him, and he says, I don't care if you're my captain. If I ha- Yeah, and then he never I, does that I, again. No, but I, yeah, all right. But no, Riker's... He's not Riker until he gets the beard. No. And he does chill out a lot. But that's the same for everyone, and I, I actively dislike... Everyone gets a beard? I actively disliked season one of Next Generation. It's only from season two. A, a part of me liked this stiff captain who... Ah, I hate children. It's um, interesting, isn't it, with the Next Generation, that it is the inverse of Star Trek. Yeah. In that the first season is easily the worst. Hmm. As opposed to the original show where the third season is easily the worst. So, like, in the first season, there's what? Episodes that you have to watch. Encounter at Farpoint. Which I enjoyed. Is a definite. I it's, enjoyed it's the pilot. Definite. It's And I liked the kind of... Um, did they flip it? Where it's like, oh, you thought it was this kind of story, but no, it's actually just... Two. It's really about the space jellyfish. It's space jellyfish. Um, Tashi has a massive stiff. Everyone's a massive Everyone's stiff. Everyone's stiff. Yeah, um, okay, fair. That's fair. I mean, fair. Troy's the only one who would continue to be a massive stiff. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll give you that. But it's fine what it is. I like um, Bones showing up in it. As yeah, Bones showing up lovely. Old. My favourite thing about Bones is um, this side of Paradise, that is the Bones that we see. Yeah, he's, the he, chilled he just, Bones. For, for some bizarre reason, he just owns his southern accent. Yeah, he just becomes ultra-southern yeah, yeah. as he gets older. Um, <laughs> so I like that. 
but yeah, that 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 from what I remember, that first season is very stiff. But no, Commander Riker is the one thing everyone else settled down. Picard became grey. Everyone became their own characters. Riker's just the one that kept me going because just like he is bones and Kirk yeah, wrapped never, up in the same character. I never glommed onto Riker. No, really, that surprises yeah, I grew me, to, to love honest. Picard. Yeah. I grew to love Picard as he chilled out, because he chilled out as he went along. He oh, stopped being a stiff. Yeah. I he, grew to love the relationship between Data and Geordi. Yes. Because that's something that they didn't plan on. Yeah. That just grew naturally Geordi's out of the actors. one of the great kind of unsung heroes. Picard, I like. Picard's had some great bits in the last few seasons. I don't seasons. like children, Riker. Yeah, but the, the Die Hard episode... is great. Yeah. Um, tapestry it's and brilliant. the Inner Light yeah. are great. Picard getting to be Shakespearean are great, but Picard's good. Riker's great. Uh, I think we'll have to agree to disagree. <laughs> I never glommed onto Riker. I uh, always, I think, if the Jonathan Frakes, they should have put more Jonathan Frakes into Riker. Okay. And I think if they'd done that, I'd like him more because Jonathan yeah. Frakes seems very laid back and cool. Well, I've, I've, I've read something quite interesting with the two Rikers episode. Yeah, second chances. And what is it, Will and Thomas? Thomas, and everyone has said they prefer Thomas. Even Jonathan Frakes has said I preferred well, playing. Thomas he Riker. said originally that the script as original for that episode Kills will off. Riker die yeah. and Thomas Riker stayed mm. and the producers didn't have the nerve to do that it's a bold move yeah because it would have meant everyone would have moved up a rank so Data would have ended up first officer right. Riker would have ended up being like a lieutenant or whatever yeah. and they didn't want to fuck around with the dynamics that close to going into the movies Right. Okay, and yeah. to me that's not a creative decision mm, true because Frakes has said, I would have loved that. As long as I still had a gig, I'm not bothered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as I still get a paycheck every week, not asked. I mean, he, he could have directed at the end yeah, of the day. He so. could have still done direction and all that stuff. His so, first directorial episode is great as well because it's got one of the single best... Offspring. Yeah, it's got one of the single best Riker moments yeah. where Data's daughter grabs him and he walks <laughs> and goes, Commander, what are your intentions with my daughter? And he's like, your daughter? And he's out the door. <laughs> now, see, I have no problem with Riker being by pansexual whatever. <laughs> Riker will fuck anything. Riker, I, we, we have episodes of Riker going to pleasure beaches. Yeah. And there's the one where he gets kidnapped. He's like, oh, I'll only let you escape if you have sex with me. And he's unbuddying his pants going, well, you know what? <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so he shags Fraser's wife. Yeah. So it's on the planet in the first season where it's just the matriarchal society. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, okay. I'm down with this. When in Rome. Yeah. <laughs> So in the first season, there's, there's Encounter at Farpoint they have to watch because it, it's the pilot and introduces Q. Yes. I uh, would yeah, argue... I, I, I mean, I love Q. I've seen every Q episode so far. Yeah, well, I was saying to you, your list didn't have every Q, and I'm like, Tapestry wasn't on your list. Yeah. And I said, you've got to watch Tapestry. It's a, it's a great episode. But in the first season, there's what? The Big Goodbye, Data um, Law... Where No One Has Gone Before. Did I watch that one? Where Nobody's Gone Before is a good one. Yeah, I did watch that one as well. That's fine. The time travel one. Uh, Data Log, Big Goodbye. Uh, I watched Hiding Q. Hiding Q's awful, but you kind of have to watch it. Uh, I watched The Big Goodbye, yeah. Uh, Data Log. Data Log's great. the only one that's got an extended cut, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, Uh, Measure of the Man. Measure of the Man's got an extended cut. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they found on videotapes, it's on the Blu-ray. That's the one I'm thinking So of, the big goodbye is good because it's the first holodeck malfunction one. And yeah. arguably the only time the holodeck malfunction story was done well. Right. Every other time you're like, why the hell have Starfleet not discontinued these? If they're this laggy, 
mm. they they wouldn't they'd be sure they'd have closed signs on them. Yeah. And why the hell can you disable the safety protocols? <laughs> well, not just that, but like you can be doing whatever you want, and you know, in certain, and somebody can just walk in. Certain cases, you could be, you know, trying to hook up a woman in the jazz bar. Yeah, because let's be and honest, and having a menage a Picard. That's you'd use it for a sex brothel, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. But there's no, there's no, there's no safety on it. You know, how, yeah, there's, so, there's no lock. Yeah, well, yeah. Picard's <laughs> chatting up this woman in a jazz bar, going, "You're looking awfully fine." And then Picard just walks in, and you could just anyone could walk in while you got your pants literally down at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, they never they never mention that when they're that walking is... in on Howling Mad Murdock on his holodeck pursuits. Do no, they? it is most illogical. Yeah. So anyway, so there's so what's the first? There's Heart of Glory. I think right. I said Heart of Glory is worth watching. Uh, That's yeah, the Klingon so that, one. Uh, so Code of Honor, I might have seen. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> so I'm no. Not... just no. Uh, well, no one has gone before. We've yeah. seen that one. Um, Hide and Q. Um, did I watch Haven? No, it's crap. Okay, so also crap. I'm not, I'm not, I don't horrible, know. horrible, <laughs> horrible episode. Data law. One one zero zero one zero zero one's a good one. Yeah. With the binars. Yeah. And Riker's in the little holodeck with um, that chick, and she comes back. Well, that's the one that I was referring to. Riker's yeah. chatting up this woman in a jazz bar, yeah. and Picard walks in, and they're just both sat there going, Yeah, and Picard's like, Isn't it fascinating? <laughs> Look at her. She looks like a real woman. And Riker's all. All right, Connery. I know. <laughs> like, Riker's explored that she's a real woman. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure they all three of them got into it. <laughs> Cause... So it's like, it's like something that just like uh, the the three of them defo explode yeah. their bodies. And oh then, yeah! And then at the end of it, you know, Riker and Picard try to not look at each other. Well, Picard tugged his jumper and said, "I will never speak of this again." <laughs> and that's you know, it's because Roddenberry had envisioned this very sexually liberated future. <laughs> I'm about to climax. <laughs> Make it so number one. <laughs> oh. Christ. And then that's... Is that pretty much it for season one? Uh, Apart no. from... No, no, there's conspiracy. Well, no, before we even get to that, yeah. we've uh, we've got Skin of Evil. Oh, yeah, Tashi dies. She does. Yeah, in, a, in um, one of the rare episodes where a regular character gets killed and stays dead. To, I mean, to come back. Uh, aside from that, it's also an incredibly boring episode. Yeah, with the, the old slick villain. A borderline important, but incredibly dull yeah, episode. Yeah, it's very, very boring. It's it's famous for Jonathan Frakes volunteering to get sucked off, not like that, into the into Make the into the oil slick, <laughs> and Brent Spiner apparently saying to him, "You do know we have stunt doubles, yeah, right?" right? <laughs> apparently that's a true story. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's apart from Tasha dying in that episode, it's dreadful. And then and then the neutral zone. Well, following that, we have conspiracy. Oh yeah, conspiracy is good. Is great. Never um, followed up on. No, which was kind of a shame because I I know it's set up a little bit with things going on in the Federation. Yeah, coming of age sets up conspiracy. And then you've got this great episode that, yeah, it it doesn't go anywhere, but it's memorable for, A, they blow someone the fuck up. They blow somebody's head off. Yeah. Literally on camera. Um, I genuine edited severely on BBC Two. This this actual John Carpenter alien crawls out of someone. Yeah. And this is after everyone eats maggots like they're in V. Yeah. Because you're like, why did Star Trek not go down this horror vein more? And it did it really well in yeah. the little, little time it did it. And it never did it again, did it? Mm. They never went down the horror route ever again. I think somebody got the knuckles wrapped for that one. Yeah. Because they never did it again. Okay. And then the neutral zone. 
which is yeah. Space Seed Redux. Yes. They find a couple of people in suspended animation. One of them's a good old country boy. One of them's a housewife. Yeah. And one of them's this rich capitalist. Is that one? Yeah. Neutral and, zone? Yeah. And then okay. half of the episode is them just being boring until yeah. the last five minutes when the Romulans show up again. Let's just say, we're back. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then you're expecting to go into season two. Yeah. And it be we're picking up exactly where we left off with the Romulans. And we don't. No. Because it was scuppered by the writer's strike. Right. But also, the Romulans mm. mentioned there have been attacks on the neutral, the, the colonies on the neutral zone mm-hmm. scooped up. That was supposed to set up the Borg. Okay, yes. Yeah, and then yeah. that was never mentioned again. Because mm. that would mean the Borg had entered our space. Well, that that is it, isn't it? Because they, they mention that places have started to disappear, and that does lead into them discovering the Borg. I don't think it's ever explicitly mentioned that the connection's there. I remember it. Oh, all right, okay. Maybe they do. I could be wrong, but no, I, I remember that being the setup and the payoff. Right. So then we go into season two. We go into which, season two. Which episodes were on your list for season two? I've seen Element... Well, I didn't actually watch Elementary Dear Data because I watched the most recent one, um, the one with Moriarty, because I think in your list you mentioned that it was a sequel to Data Law. It's not, it's a sequel to Elementary Dear Data. So I watched it going, where's Law? Yeah, sorry, yes, it is. It says, uh, Elementary Dear Data is an otherwise incredibly boring episode. Yeah. Notable only because it introduces Moriarty, who was in a later episode, and is apparently going to be in Picard. Yeah. Okay. So suddenly those two episodes take on greater import. Um, Matter of Honor is a great episode. Matter of Honor is great. Uh, again, because of Riker. Yeah. I'll give you that. He's Riker's finest hour. Uh, Measure of a Man. Is brilliant. Uh, he is a got... toaster, though. <laughs> I think I've seen Contagion. This, I don't even remember Contagion. I don't, I don't know if it's that one or if it was an episode of... It might have been an episode of the original series because I was watching it just going, um, there's a big uh, disease yeah. that spread from a um, kind of persecuted minority yeah. and everyone starts being racist towards them and I'm watching this just after like the COVID lockdown going <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> uh, see I don't remember Contagion at so all so it might not have been don't that remember that episode. Um, the Royale's dreadful right uh, I mean I'm just going through IMDB here yeah. which of... ones were on your list for this though Okay, so... My, my recollection is you didn't have many first and second season episodes. So in the following, they're on Den of Geek. Yeah. Uh, so well, that's what I followed when I watched Voyager. There is a next generation list. I'm following two lists. So one of them is the best of. Yeah. One of them is the kind of um, Picard essentials. And then if I go back and find it now, there is also your list. So regarding... It was definitely after I was in New York. So See, the best back. of seasons one and two will surely not be more than one hand. You could probably narrow that down considerably. Cut those 50 episodes down to about 10. Okay, so regarding the essential list, we've got Skin of Evil mm-hmm. uh, conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, and the neutral zone. So they are the kind of essential ones for season one. Uh, regarding essential to set up Picard, we've got Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, you need a Encounter uh, We've got Measure of a Man. Yeah. Uh, we've got Q-Hoo. Yeah, Q-Hoo is easily the best episode uh, from seasons one and well, two. Yeah, so we're in season two then. I, I've watched all of the Q ones. Uh, so in your list, 
uh, encounter at Farpoint, where no one has gone before, the big goodbye in Data Law, as well as 1100. Da -da -da. Uh, season 2, we've got Matter of Honor and Peak Performance. I, I love Peak list. Performance. Yeah. Um, but Q, who introduces the ball? The Emissary. So if we then go on to uh, the Picard one, we've got Q, who. Um, we've got. Oh, that's it, because we're moving straight on to Allegiance. Uh, we've got the Measure of a Man. Uh, and then we've got uh, QQ, and then we've got the emissary. Yeah. So that's it for season two. So Q, who is generally the the scurriest Star Trek ever got, in a the, creepy yeah. vibe, not uh, a horror vibe. Yeah. Uh, it's, the it's, Borg were never as scurry again. No, when you get what's his face, um, the the one that they name Hugh. Yeah, he comes later. He's in series five. But the, the yeah, the, those original Borg ones are. Scary, unnerving, yeah, because yeah. they're the Cybermen, they're basically exactly yeah, the same as the Cybermen, yeah, yeah. So then, season two, I love peak performance, but it's not it's not a top 10 episode or anything, I just like that episode, right? Because again, going to what we we're on about, it's another one where Riker gets to show that he has got the right stuff, yes, even though he cheats. He doesn't cheat, yes, he does. He changes Wesley the... goes back changes... to the ship no. after he's left. That's not cheating. It's not cheating. Yeah, it is. It's not. It's changing the rules of the game. Okay, fine, but it's still even Kirk admitted that that was semi cheating. Nah. Riker cheats to win. Now, Riker... I, I'm saying that that's this is this is another one of Riker's finest hours. Yeah, I'm with him. Yeah. I would totally cheat to win. Well, it wasn't necessarily that it cheated, was it? Wesley did something. Oh, he, oh no, Riker didn't know about it. Unbeknownst to him, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, well, the cards are in my hand now. Yeah, yeah, so fair play. And I like Pete's performance because it does give Riker something interesting to do. He's always got interesting things no, to do. No, he hasn't. And I like Emissary because you need to know who KLR is. Yeah, from when Ronald E. Moore takes it, a liking to war. Yeah, it's yeah. around this time the show starts planting the seeds... Yeah. that the proper writing staff who come aboard in season three mm. will start picking out later. And that's some of the Wharf stuff later on is really good. Yeah. It? It's the most interesting both he and the show get. Yes. So you go into season three, which for my money is the best season. I don't right. think there's a, there's not a terrible episode in season three. Okay. There's some below par. Yeah. So like, you know, Evolution has had a great season opener, but it brings back Beverly Crusher. Okay. And it does have that all interesting dynamic between the scientist and Wesley, where Wesley gets a little bit of a look of his future if you know if you don't start going out with girls, this is what you'll end up like. And it's the guy from Scrubs, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Okay. It's one of the doctors from Scrubs. And Ensigns of Command is an okay data episode. Right, so we're moving into season three. Mm, but who watches the watches is a great prime directive episode. Oh, I didn't like Did you not like that one? I like that one. Because it's in it's it's typ it typifies Picard's approach to the Prime Directive as opposed to Kirk. Well, I appreciated what it was trying to do, but there's something about when the cast start going through those cosmetic surgeries to look like yeah that you don't like yeah, uh, and it's you know I I, I don't want to say that it's racist because it's not because they don't real <laughs> but there's something quite uncomfortable about it that well you've I also got the thing as well. It's very much this idea that it's nothing to do with us and we shouldn't get involved. Yeah. Like if a country walks into another country and says this land is ours, we're invading them, and we say it's nothing to do with us. Yeah. That's how Picard interprets the Prime Directive. Whereas yeah. Kirk would interpret the Prime Directive as, well, we kind of have to help the country that's been invaded, right? 
Yeah. Like, is, is that invasion and influence on... Yeah. Yeah. And is there, that's a private little war, the balance yeah. of power. That's literally what the private little war's about. Yeah. That Kirk has to arm the other side, has to help the other side, because the Klingons are arming one side. Yeah. And Kirk uses the Prime Directive as a reason to get involved. Picard, Picard uses it as an excuse to not get involved. Yeah. Um, I mean, aside from that, I did enjoy seeing Leland Palmer in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Leland Palmer's in that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Overacting, but you know. Well, uh, yes. With a continuing on, we've got uh, yesterday's Enterprise. Uh, one of the best episodes of the show. It was great, and it utilised a little um, plot point that you forgot about yeah. from Encounter at Far Point. You see What's-Her-Face escaping the rape Yeah, the rape gangs the or baby, wherever, yeah. And they, 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 so they, they used the that. The best thing about yesterday's Enterprise, right, I mean, you're 25 years removed <laughs> from it now. Yeah. But imagine watching that for the first time and you don't know anything about it, which we didn't, because the internet was nascent right. at that point. You had TVs on magazine saying these episodes are coming up, but they really spoiled them. Okay. Because it's print, so they couldn't spoil them. They couldn't get it into print that quick. I was buying illegal videotapes okay. with these episodes on yeah. as they heard in America. Right. I didn't wait till they got to Britain. So you see it yesterday's Enterprise for the first time, right? For the time that was written, that is audacious storytelling. Hmm. Nothing's explained. The well, pre-credit no. sequence opened with Worf doing his prune juice, a warrior's drink. Yeah. And then suddenly, everything changes. But they don't explain no. how it gets. It's, nope. just, it's just changed. It's just suddenly, yeah. it's the warship Enterprise, and they've all got collars, and they've all got guns on, or phasers on. Yeah. And Picard's on about the war's not going well for the Federation. Yeah. And arguably, the only thing wrong with that, because it was a gang-banged script. Okay. It's got like eight credited writers on it. No one thought it was going to work. Right. Everyone thought it was going to be the flop of the season. And for whatever reason, it all just came together. But even they will admit that Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. knowing something is wrong, just because she knows something is wrong, yeah. is really weak. It worked enough, though. And but it works. I mean, it, you know why it works? Right. Because later on, they will do the same thing with her. So okay. retroactively, they give that moment weight. So like she right. knows something's wrong when she meets Picard in but San Francisco. I suppose they've also already set up she's of yeah. a higher being. She's so something. I bought it. And I love that they never really explain her. So in Time's Arrow, she knows something's wrong. Yeah. In Generation, she knows something's wrong. Yeah, well, in the QQ one, when she already knows about the book, yeah. and she already knows about... And she Q. knows what they did. I just bought... She's a higher being. Yeah. She feels like there's something wrong with this time travel stuff. Yeah, I buy this. Yeah. And then her ex... And Tasha actually gets a decent goodbye. Yeah. Well, I liked about it, because I think it's the best example of what I think DC Comics crises yeah. are, in that... When Christ and Infinite Earth happened, when Infinite Crisis, Final Crisis, there isn't a big deal, there isn't a big event. It is literally just yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah. It just changes. That's it. And you don't know anything. Yeah. You don't know any different. Yeah. And it's it's and I love Rachel Garrett. I want my Rachel Garrett series. Right. But I know she dies. Yeah. So what's the point? I don't like that they don't have the movie series, the movie uniforms with the collars. Okay. I don't think they work without the collars. They just they look unfinished. Right. Oh, without the right, pole and right, jumpers yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but I, and they don't have the belts either. Mm. So they just look silly. And that's one of those things that like throw a bit of money at it, Paramount. Let them <laughs> let them make some uniforms for this. But whatever. Straight after this, we've got the offspring. Yeah, you've got a run of great episodes now. Good, and that's that's um, 
That's uh, Thingy's Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes' is directorial, directorial debut. debut. Yeah. And you've got Sins of the Father, which is brilliant. Sins of the Father, season three. Uh, we've got Sarek, which is Which great. is great. Sarek has dementia, which then, again is another one of those episodes that works much better now you're an adult. Yeah. Um, best of both worlds. Still the best cliffhanger they ever did. Uh, we've got also um, Allegiance. No, Allegiance is crap. Allegiance was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, and then Captain's Holiday. Allegiance is better than anything in season one or two. By the standards of season three, it's meh. Yeah, Captain's Holiday is fun. Matter of Honor and Peak Performance are also on your list. Yeah. Well, that's season two. Okay, uh, season three, we've got uh, The Enemy. Oh, I love The Enemy. And The Defector. The Defector. I love uh, that. And Deja Cute. And also Hollow Pursuits. Yes, so the two Romulan episodes are brilliant. I love The Enemy. Yeah. And I love The Defector. Two great Romulan episodes. Mm. I love Hollow Pursuits. And you kind of have to watch Hollow Pursuits because Barkley becomes a thing. Yeah. And Barkley continues to be a thing. He's in Voyager. Yes. It's very... <laughs> it's going back to what if just someone walked into you yeah. while you're in the thingy and here he is kind of fantasise about Councillor Troy <laughs> like literally the counsellor and the doctor while yeah. he's having sword fights with everyone he doesn't like it's yeah. a bit like come on now <laughs> at least change the names <laughs> dude copyright infringement so Hollow Pursuits is great the two the enemy is brilliant I, I genuinely love the enemy right isn't that is that the one with the new enemy mine would Geordi's trapped on the planet with the Romulan and they have to work together. Yeah. The only time that alien planet set has been convincing. Yes, um, because one of them's blind and the other yeah. one's crippled, so they have to lead each other. So, yeah. yeah, so it's basically the... Um, wow, what's that film with Sidney Poitier? He's the two convicts and the chain to each other. Okay. And that's that's the film I'm thinking of and I cannot remember. The Defiant ones, I think it is. Right. And they have to end up work because one's black, one's white and they end up having to work together or they're not going to escape. Okay. So that's, I love that one. I love the defector. It turns out he's defected for a wrong reason. They lied to him. Yes. Because they, yeah, they yeah. knew there was a traitor. They he's, didn't know who it was. He's going to give them details about yeah. the base, but the base never existed. Never existed. Yes. Yeah. Golondon Core. Yeah. Because it's got that brilliant people will remember Golondon Core along with Pearl Harbor as a bloody preamble into war. Mm. Picard's brilliant in that episode. Yeah. I love that one. And the fact that they're not on your list of best ones, I'm yeah. like, what's going on? Well, I noticed you, you pointed out a few times, like, can't believe that's not on there. Because see, I think season three is pound for pound the best season they ever did. Okay. And it finishes with Best of Both Worlds, mm. which everyone always writes as the best episode they ever did. I personally think Yesterday's Enterprise is better. Well, I think Best of Both Worlds, with it being the first time they did a season break, yeah, cliffhanger. cliffhanger. And to have that as the yeah. cliffhanger as Mr. well. Mr. Wolf. Yeah. Fire. Um, so I think maybe that's why that stands out the most. Yeah. Uh, season four-wise, we've got... Uh, so you pick up with Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Did you like Best of Both Worlds Part 2? Because I presume you just watched them back to back. Yeah. I liked it, but it has that problem with I know they were considering getting rid of Picard and having Riker replaced. Which I would have gone for. I think getting rid of Picard at that point would have been brave. It suffers from what I think is like main character syndrome. Yeah. And that and I know they play with at the end he's still got some of the implants. And they followed up with family. I know that they're shook up but and there's that great shot. They've never done this before up until this point. Yeah. He's looking out the window and it and the, zooms out. The camera out. pulls back. No CG there either. Yeah. 
because CG didn't wasn't a thing. Like it's got great bits, but because of it being syndicated, long running TV show with main character syndrome, it leads into family, which is also another episode. But it just kind of felt like it was just brushed. Yeah, and then it rarely mentions that he was borgified ever again. Other than in other, you get to first contact in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, so you follow that family's family's fine. I don't think family's as good as everyone makes it out to be because I think the problem with family is the tack on the Wesley subplot. About his dad and the hologram of his dad. Oh, God, yeah. And I just want to be with Picard. Just on the vineyard, yeah. yeah. It should have just been solely Picard. Everyone else could have had the day off. Because yeah. I think that's what they did. I think they filmed Family first. Mm. So that the rest of the cast... He filmed all the Family stuff. Picard right. did. Yeah. And then the rest of the cast came back to work. Okay. So Patrick Stewart came back to work like three weeks before everybody else. Just to do that episode, yeah. And then they filmed Best of Both Worlds. Okay. So I think they filmed him in the wrong order, deliberately, whatever. Yeah. And then, was season four go from there? Because I remember season four being good, but not excellent, um, which is the opposite of season three. Yeah, so here we go. Uh, Best of Both Worlds and Family to Reunion. Yeah, Reunion's good. Reunion's, Reunion's good. good. Uh, the Wounded. Only because it brings in the Cardassians, and yeah, I feel like it's it's better in hindsight when you get to DS. Yeah, it's and it's an O'Brien episode, Mm. and he's another guy who's he's not part of the main cast. Uh, To Redemption. Oh no, there must be more. Season four was featuring perfect family. So I mean, we're going we're going to listen. Cupid, Cupid, which is fun. Cupid's a fun romp. I am not a merry man. Darbox, that's season five. It is, so we're skipping ahead here. Yep. So, that's, so, that's, where's, so that's where's the, Future in person? So then to go on to your lists, uh, Conundrum, Power Play, Cause and Effect, and the next phase. Yeah. So I'm giving you better episodes. So Conundrum's that good one with that guy's on the bridge. Random guy. Right. Who's apparently a, a commander. And you're like, who's this dude? Yeah. And you have to try and work out what's going on. And it's all about data. Yeah. And then Power Play... O'Brien, Troy, and Ensign Rowe. Is that that one? No, because we've not we've not got we've to not met Rowe. Yet. So which one's Power Play? Uh, or is that season five as well? Then? No. So let's have a look. First contact in the drumhead. Yeah, Conundrum season oh, five. Oh, so am I? Oh, I'm. Yeah, oh, yeah I'm scared. So first contact on the drumhead. First drum contact's head, yeah. a great one because first contact is told from the point of view of the alien race. Yeah. They yes, yeah, initiate yeah, yeah. contact. Because that's the one where they were right. Yeah. Shag's Mrs. Frazier. Yeah. Uh, and the drumhead's great as well because it's another Picard one. Yeah. And it's just um, a locked room mystery because they had no money. Yeah. So basically, it's just Picard advocating for human rights again. But then that leads into earlier we were discussing <coughs> about Kirk breaking the rules and they yeah. call Picard rule breaking into question as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and he conveniently gets out of it by going, oh, we're not arguing about me. Well, uh, what I loved about the drumhead is not only has it got a great performance from Patrick Stewart, yeah. one of his best, it's got some brilliant dialogue Yes, where he argues for human rights. It was written in like two days okay, yeah. because they had no money after the best of both worlds and a couple of others. Yeah. And they were basically going to do a clip show again. Okay, yeah. And apparently Michael Pillar, who was the head of the writing staff at that point, said, over my dead body, <laughs> right. we do another clip show. And he yeah. went to the writing and basically... Have they done a clip show before? Yeah, Shades of Grey end. Season two ends on a clip show. Right, okay. And they were like, we're never doing that again. Yeah. He said, like, you've got three days to write a script that will be shot in three days, so it has to be at all of our standing sets. Yeah. One, at most, two guest stars. And right. that's it. Okay. Go. Yeah. And they came up with the drumhead. Okay. And that to me is 
a prime example of how having limitations can make you turn out one of your best scripts. Yeah. So we can't shoot it anywhere other than our sets mm-hmm. because it's all going to be lit and we're just going to have to barrel through it. It's going to be all dialogue. Yeah. But we've got an actor though who can do that. Yeah. And we bring in a great guest star who can go toe to toe with him. Yeah. And go and they turn out an absolutely brilliant forty-five minutes. Yeah. Of television with incredible limitations on time and budget, mm. and it's one of the best of the season. Mm-hmm. Season that. four ends with redemption. Season four does end with the redemption, which follows on from sins of the past. So then we move in, yeah. So then we move on to Darmok, which is brilliant. Uh, Russell T Davies has said it's inspired uh, his Doctor Who stuff. I love Darmok. Um, I I just love the the. At Tanagra, when the walls fell. Yeah, yeah. I love all of it. Because it's about it's communication. Well, your language being a story, but then what happens if someone else has never heard that story before? Yeah, it's. it's I love that bit where she says, if I say to you, Romeo on the balcony with Juliet, you know exactly what I mean. Yeah. But if you don't know what Romeo and Juliet, you don't know I'm talking about a romance. Yeah. And I love that episode. And I love that it's so audacious as well in its themes. Mm. It's about being able to communicate with somebody. Yeah. And finding that common ground, which is a Star Trek theme. Yeah. That's um, great. I love Darmok. After this... That's Thingy from Star Trek 2. Captain Tyrell. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's brilliant, in it? Um, unification. Which is good. No, is that not season six? Season five, seven and eight. Oh, right, okay. Uh, which is good, but not... <sighs> worth it's not great it's not worth its guest stars no it's not and and that what did you think of that whole bring back yar but as a romulan because yar was raped by romulans uh i i thought it was an interesting enough plot i was awful so you sent tashi back in time to give her a proper death and she gets raped by romulans that's shocking see this is it or am I misremembering that? Did she not? No, no, you, no. She gets with. She becomes the consort of one of the Romulans. Right. So the idea there is she's not doing it willingly. But also, this leads into the vision that Q gives her in Encounter at Farpoint that we think is her past. Yeah. That's why I think it was handled well. Okay. And that mm. we've got this, what we consider to be a flashback. Yeah. In encounter at four point that gets forgetting about, but they bring that back to explain this. That's why I thought it was an interesting enough plot twist, and dealt with in a believable enough way within its own context. I wasn't overly fond of these crabby and blonde wig. I thought it was dealt with yeah, well fine, enough from I guess, what I remember of it. And Spock's kind of wasted, although it yeah. is the the development of his character that he is trying to bring about the reunification of the Romulan, the Vulcan people. Yeah, that's interesting. Yes, but the episodes themselves, not so much. <clears throat> it's it wasn't a good enough episode to have brought Spock and Savek back for. Yeah, and he has he has an interesting moments with Data. And then the idea at the end that Picard mind melds with him yeah. so that he is essentially there at the moment that his dad died. Yes. Even though he wasn't actually there. That's yeah. sweet. Yeah. But, you know, it's fine. Yeah. It, well, that's it. It was fine. Um, the Outcast. Which was The Outcast? The trans rights from. Oh, that's not bad. That's quite daring for the time, isn't it? It's quite daring, one. Let down only by Riker who's just fallen in love with this person because the plot requires him to. What I do like about that is Jonathan Frakes has said the thing he thinks like that down was they cast a woman. 
Yeah, okay. He said they should have cast a man. Yeah. And he would totally have been fine with it. Because then what you're doing is you're trying to argue this episode about identity, but you basically just have him. Yeah. Uh, and it's, an Mil- it's an Amy Allen from the A-Team. Right, okay. So, second A-Team guest there. Yeah. Should have had George Peppard. <laughs> oh, Mr. T, and then, wow. And then Iborg, which is just... Oh, I there. hated Iborg. Inner Light, which is great. Inner Light's very good. Inner Light is really good. It was one of my favourite ones because it's not an episode of Star Trek. It's just an episode of some show that's got Picard Some random show. And then you get to the end of it and it's this... What I love about Inner Light is he will carry on playing that flute for the rest of the series. Yeah, well, every time he does, those aliens yeah. have, have done their mission. Yeah. I thought I thought it was a great episode because it was not an episode of Star Trek. It's a great off-concept it's episode. It's just a character drama yeah. that it was really well done. What else is in <clears> season five? Is there any other interesting ones in yeah, season five? Because um, I remember season five also has like a big, long chunk in the middle that is incredibly dull. Yeah, so Where these... Worf gets paralysed, dull. So these lists are mostly the same, but then, uh, like you said, conundrum, power play, cause and effects in the next phase. Oh, cause and effects a good one. Predates Groundhog Day. Right. Which a lot of people don't which remember. One's that one? The pre-credit sequence is one of the best ever. Enterprise. It ends with them blowing blows up. Blows up. And, and they've then got to work out the why. Starts. And then they, they program data yeah. to carry the message back. Yeah. yeah. And it, that one was before Groundhog Day. Because right. everyone always lists favourite Groundhog Day inspired episodes of TV shows. Yeah. And I always feel the need to be, uh, well, actually, <laughs> I think you'll find yeah. that cause and effect predates Groundhog Day. Okay. And again, another bottle serving episode. Right. Because they had to same set. No guest stars apart from Frasier. Yeah. Who only shows yeah. up at the end. The good gag, though, they wanted Frasier's first officer to be Savick. Because at the time, Cheers was still filming. Right. They wanted Kirsty Alice to be stood at the side of him. No lines. Just that. She would have just been there, and they couldn't either make that work, or Ali didn't want to do it, or whatever. Yeah. But that would have been brilliant. Because that would have mean now Savick would be alive in the next generation era. Okay. Which would be great. <clears throat> yeah, so moving on to season six. Now, season six is my What last. did season five end with? Season five times Arrow. Yeah, because I oh, skipped over that. Right, Times Arrow has an interesting idea. They find Data's head right. in San Francisco. I love Jerry Harding. God, he's annoying as uh, Mark Twain. <laughs> right. Do you not think? He is so I, I, I annoying. You told me to skip over it. Yeah, it's dreadful. Right. I really grew to loathe Times Arrow. And it's like guy, he meets Guinan in the old in San Francisco for the 1900s. And you're like, okay. really? And if whatever. Um, but season six is the last one that I've seen. Yeah, we have to. We can't get to the end of next gen. So because this is when Deep Space Nine starts. Yeah. Uh, so I would watch the first episode of Deep Space Nine, and then next gen, DS Nine, next gen, which was good. But you've not glommed onto DS Nine. What it you? meant was, if I finished an episode of DS Nine, I had an episode of next gen. But if I finished an episode of next gen. It was DS9 next. To be honest, there's not a lot of first season Deep Space Nines that are essential. Well, I think I've only actually seen five or six. There's the pilot. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I can I can literally say this because you haven't given me one for this one. For DS9, um, yeah, yes, I accept the privacy. <laughs> so obviously I've seen episode one or two, The Emissary, which was fine. Yeah. Uh, past Prologue, uh-huh. Vortex, uh-huh. Um, Battle Lines. Uh-huh. Uh, duet, 
duet to classic in the hands of prophets in the hands of the prophets is important is my favorite one yet because it sets up the prophets and bejure and how important all that's going to be uh, later not necessarily it's it's the star trek does the separation of church and state yeah um, and they'll do an awful lot more of that as they go along and that's why i do think you'll get into it more right as they get more into bejure and politics and yeah wharf comes aboard well i've also just really liked um, O'Brien is more of a character in this novel yeah. than he was in Next and he's, Gen. But what I love about O'Brien, he's not a Star Trek character. <laughs> he's just a regular schlub. He's just this guy. Who's wandered into... He's, he's John Goodman's <laughs> character in Roseanne has wandered into Star Trek. And he's like, what? You want me to fix that? It's dinner time! <laughs> Christ's sake. He's Chief Tyrrell, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he's literally Chief Tyrrell. Yeah, and he just wants to clock off <laughs> and go home, he's and they won't gone. let him. It's like what happens with when you have Scotty and Geordie who says, "I need you to make this miracle happen in two minutes." Yeah. Whereas O'Brien's like, "Nah, bugger off, get yeah, someone else to do it." I've clocked off, man. <laughs> you don't pay me, but you don't pay me. Yeah. <laughs> so why am I doing this, Dribble? Come on. So I, I love that O'Brien's just a schlub. Yes. And I love the relationship he builds up with Dr. Bashir. They become okay. like Data and Jordan. Yeah. They become best mates. Even though on the first of it, they have nothing in common. So they just become friends. But, yeah. they, but they end up being really good friends. And they end up doing holodeck adventures together and playing squash there's together. A, there's and... a holodeck. I mean, of course there's a holodeck on DS9. Yeah, Quart runs it as a brothel. Of course. But they use it to do Battle of the Alamo that's, and that's shit like that. That's Principal What's-His-Face, isn't it? Yeah. From Buffy. Yeah, it's yeah. Principal Snyder from Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he does generally run it as a brothel. Right. With these Dabo girls, which is why they're all buxom. Okay. It's... He's, he's got this contract with Mud. It's like, he yeah. set me up something. Yeah, pretty much. And he gets his programs for the holodeck smuggled in. Right, Because okay. he's a legal porn program. He's my favourite character so far, just because of how much of a scum. <laughs> he is, he is. I love Quark. Yeah. But again, he becomes more of a rounded <clears throat> character as you go along. He always right. remains a scumbag. Okay. But he starts becoming a likeable scumbag. Okay. Instead and, uh, of being fun, he's actually likeable. Yeah, and there's this interesting idea that they've dropped this capitalist in the middle of what you called Star Trek socialist wet dream. Yeah. And they've dropped this capitalist in the middle of it who's all about gold press latinum. Yeah. And he's he is brilliant. And I, and they keep blackmailing him into doing stuff for him. <laughs> yeah. But I, the thing The one with Vash. Yeah. Where he's where he's just like, oh, this is worth this and this. Like, oh no, let me sort this out. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> Give me your money. Who do you like in Deep Space Nine, other than O'Brien? I like the Bajoran woman. Dax. Yeah. Jadzia. Because base I just, no shit. What Basically. I like about Jadzia in retrospect, she's very Matt Smith as Doctor Who. Okay. She's this very young and attractive person who plays old very well. Yes. You get that she's lived these lives. Yeah. But and I, think... I love that Cisco calls her old man. Because yeah. again, you can look at that through the modern lens. It's just trans rights thing. Wait, is that not the slug? Yeah, the Matt. slug inside. Oh, no, but I... he knew her no, when she was the, a guy. The other one who was already on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. That's who I was on about. Yeah, Jadzia. No. Do you mean Odo? No, the woman who's in charge of Deep Space Nine. Before. Oh, Kira. Yeah. Yeah, Kira's great. Yeah, that's who I, that, I think that's what, But I think that's also because I like Ensign Rowe and she's essentially... A she should have been Ensign Rowe. Character. Right, okay. It was originally going to be Ensign Rowe. Right. And Michelle Forbes didn't want to do a TV show. 
a regular TV she gig she wanted to do other parts. Okay. And then they quickly realised, well, we couldn't have had her be in conflict with Cisco if she was Starfleet anyway. Yes. So by having her be a different character, it actually helped the show. So, I mean, so far, I think she's my favourite, but only because because of Ensign Rowe. Yeah. And so I think that's what it is. So far, I don't give a toss about any of them, to be completely honest. I know I, I, know, I know. everyone says that they, they love uh, Cisco, but I just... No, Cisco becomes... I just don't care. Cisco becomes the most believable captain. Right. Because he well, is... He's not, he's not even a captain. He gets made a captain. Right. He will get promoted. But this is what I was saying. It's so far removed from the Star Trek that I'm used to to just have this stationary spaceport and have everyone come to that. I think there was an inclination to deliberately try and go the opposite way because okay. they didn't just want to do the next generation again, which is ironic when they get to Voyager, where right. they clearly just want to do the next generation <laughs> yeah. again, because they felt they went too far the other way doing Deep Space Nine. So Voyager is kind of damage control. Yeah, right. basically. And Voyager... I grew to like Voyager. Mm. I have grown to really like Voyager, largely because of the characters and the actors. But Voyager is, for me, the very epitome of mediocre right it's really very 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 bad but it was really good but it's really very 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 good voyager episodes really challenge best top 20 episodes of star trek across the whole franchise okay there's maybe one or two that are genuinely interesting Mm. but by and large the variations on an idea that's done been done before okay and voyager only becomes interesting when bran and braga takes over as showrunner and only then because he's just like every single batshit idea you can come up with we will do because <laughs> right. we've got to do 26 of these a year yeah and that's it okay so and then so that's where you're up to with Voyage with Deep Space Nine yeah so so season 6 of Next Gen which kicks off with Times Arrow 2 I mean yeah and I've been thoroughly enjoying this so one list we've got the Chain of Command oh Chain of Command's a cracker and what I love about Chain of Command despite being a two-parter is it isn't it's two episodes. It's two episodes that are um, interlinked. Linked. Yeah. yeah, and Captain Jellicoe's brilliant, and I will brook no argument. Captain Jellicoe <laughs> is awesome, and the rest of the crew are whiny little bitches. Yeah, Riker in particular is a whiny little baby in that episode, and Jellicoe <laughs> keeps smacking him down. And you know what? He deserves it. Hmm. Uh... You're not wrong because there is that argument to be made where even Picard's just like, just give him a chance. Yeah. And he's just like, I don't have the time to give him a chance. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, we've got a job to do and yeah. he does it. Snap into gear. I need you to do my the job that I need you to do. I'm the captain. Yeah. Deal with it. I do like that he tells Troy to wear an actual uniform. And she does and from there on. Out, yeah. Yeah. I don't like him, but yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. And what I liked about that as well, Worf likes him. Because he gets it done, yeah. yeah. But Geordi does. Right. Because Geordi is similar to O'Brien in the sense that, to him, this is just a job. He's not Scotty. He's not a miracle worker. He doesn't read engineering text in his spare well, well, time. We've, we've just had the bit where he meets Scotty as well. Yeah, we've had Relics. Well, that's yeah. is that before Chain of Command? Um, yeah, it must be. Right. So Relics is brilliant. I love Relics. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's got to be on this list. It, I presume it's on that list. But you, you do have the difference, though, that Geordie wants to clock off at the end of the day and go and meet a nice woman. Well, go and play poker, which yeah. is one of my recurring bits. Yeah, well, the, the, show, the yeah. poker games. Yeah. 
And it, to him, it's just a job. So the fact that Jellicoe's giving him orders or Picard's giving him orders doesn't make any difference to Jordi. There's a job doing. There's it a needs, job it needs yeah. doing. This is what I'm paid to do. <laughs> yeah. So I'll do it. Yeah. I'm not bothered who the orders are coming from. Whereas Riker butts heads with him because Riker's used to, at this point, Picard just letting him do what he wants and not really giving him orders. Yeah. Riker essentially is the de facto captain. And Picard just sits at home and reads Shakespeare all day. Well, I, I guess next generation is what happens when you become too friendly with, yeah, your, with your crew. Yeah. And Jellicoe's like, I'm the captain. This is the order. Yeah. Get on with it. Yeah. You watch that episode from the point of view of Jellicoe. Jellicoe isn't, he's not one of your typical Star, Star Trek mad admirals. He's yeah, just yeah, doing yeah, his yeah. job. Yeah. And everyone else is too friendly. Yeah. But they're not used to that. They're not used to being snapped into line. Mm. They are, and so they just whine about it, apart from Worf and Jordan. You just get on with it. <laughs> yeah. And Data. Data's fine. Yeah. And I like that he makes Data first officer. <laughs> Which just amused me, I know. Because that's one of those weird things when you see characters in different uniforms. Yeah. Data looks weird in, in red. red yeah. yeah. But you forget that when the show started, Worf wore red. Yes. And now he's in yellow. Yeah. But it's the same when Thomas Riker comes aboard and he's in yellow. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, that just doesn't look right. But I love Jellico and I love Chain of Command. Okay. Well, following this uh, tapestry. Brilliant. I really like a tapestry. And then Frame of Mind. Frame of Mind is a good Riker episode. Frame of Mind, to me, didn't double down enough. Yeah, you said that to me when you watched it. So, it didn't go wacky enough. It's great, but it felt safe. And at the end, they do this thing where he needs to take that play set down. Yeah. That that stage. Now, what? it's only a minor thing, but I think it would have been really like more fascinating if the camera zooms out... And the, the, the alien that's watching over him in the asylum, yeah. he's sat in the audience watching him deconstruct the set. Then your credits roll. Right. Double, double down on it. Because Buffy did that, didn't it? That episode. Yeah, normal again. That episode ends with her still in the asylum. Yeah. So do that. Double down. So you can, if you want to think that she's actually in an asylum and the entire show's playing in her head, yeah. you can believe that. So if you're going to do this, this episode about is he in the asylum or is he on the Enterprise... I mean, yeah, every episode after that is going to completely disregard it and he's going to carry on being like Buffy. Surprise. Buffy never mentioned normal again, ever again. But that adds to that complexity at the same time. This could all be, you know, still yeah. in his head. Just that one little inclusion I felt would have just made that a better episode. Right. So it just had that alien just watching him. Because then, you don't you know, the next episode, you've forgotten all about it, yeah. but it's, it's there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, what else is in season six? I forget. Moving on to the other list, uh, we've got Tapestry, which again. is great. Yeah, Starship Mine, which Starship is Starship Mine, so much fun. It's yeah, it's every- Data taking the piss out of that commander who does nothing. But they do talk. the small talk. Yeah, yeah. I love it when he's in the background, with- <laughs> which works brilliant on an audio meeting. It's it's a great Data episode, and it's a great uh, uh, Picard does John yeah. McLean. Yeah. I- he just in kills, a vest and everything. He, well, he just kills everyone. Yeah. Um, the my, my favorite thing about that is the gag. That he's like, oh, he's gone back for his saddle. He's gone back for his saddle, and then no, he's legitimately gone back for his saddle. Yeah, this is they take the piss out of every serious rider has his own saddle, but then at the end they're just like, well, no, Riker, what did you mean? Every serious rider has his own saddle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a genuinely just fun. Yeah, episode, isn't it? Yeah, of a show that didn't really do a lot of those Star Trek piece of the action episodes. Yeah. 
where they just have a laugh. Yeah. And this year they do a couple of them. They do this one, they do Cupid, yeah. which is just another romp. Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't do enough of them. For all of Star Trek's highfalutin, we say important stuff, we talk about important stuff. Let's not forget every now and again, we just want to go to the planet of the gangsters and yeah. have a laugh. Yeah. And that's what Strange New World gets right that Discovery got wrong. Okay. Discovery was always about we are self-important mm. and we say important stuff. And Strange New Worlds is, can we do a fairy tale action <laughs> where the entire cast dresses fairy tale characters? And they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do Star Trek. Yeah, let's just do Star Trek. But that's it for this list because we move on to Descent, which I've still not... Did you not watch that last night? No, I'm oh, not, right. not, not got up to. I thought you were going to watch that last night. Right, so you, so you, you've got relics, which is yeah, it's great to have Scotty. Yeah, an inexcusable omission. I am right. Uh, ship in a bottle. Oh, I yeah. love ship in a bottle. Uh, face of the enemy. Face of the enemy is a great. The one time Troy is brilliant. Okay, is face of the enemy. Um, then we've got Starship Mine and Timescape. Timescape's just fun. Yeah, time, time yeah. freezes. Yes. Yeah. Apart from Picard, Roe, and somebody else. Uh, no, um, Troy. Troy. And, uh, Data. Yeah. And Jordy. Yeah. Because they've gone to the the convention. Yeah. And they're on the way back. And they and he draws they, the little. Or when they get. Did I not the, tell you to watch Rascals? Yeah, you might have done. Yeah. Well, when they they get kids. turned into kids, and it's a truly awful idea. Done well. Done really well. Yeah. Because the kid played Picard. Is brilliant. Right, I don't okay. know who he is or where they found him. Yeah. But there's a brilliantly funny scene in it where Riker pretends to be his dad. Right. That is genuinely funny. Okay. So Rascals is on the face of the in, a, in tonight's Star Trek. The kids are tu- the cast are turned into kids, and you're like, oh for God's sake! <laughs> but it's genuinely well done. Right. Because Ron Moore was like you. He went, "This is a stupid idea. How do I make it work?" Right. Yeah. And he does, to his credit, and obviously okay. he went on to do Galactica. Yeah, well, that's... I think that might be one of the things that I've most enjoyed about it. The, the Ronald D. Moore stuff especially is being such a big fan of Galactica, seeing where that came from. You can see elements of yeah. Galactica in some of those, Well, uh, the, especially the Wharf stuff. Well, he goes on to Deep Space Nine yeah. and thrives. His episodes are some of the better ones. Mm. But then he goes to Voyager, and the right. first thing he does at Voyager is say, "Right, why? Why is the ship still in pristine? Yeah. Why is it not being held together with you know spit and bailing wire at this point? Like, why, what, why are the what's replicators? The premise of Voyager? They get flung seventy thousand light years away, so they they have to get back, and they have to get home, and okay. there's no convenient. They, so it's going to take them seventy years to get so home. The opposite of Space Nineteen Ninety Nine, basically, right? And so." Ron Moore's idea was at some point the uniforms are going to start getting tatty. Yeah. We break the replicators. Right. So they have to forage for food. They have to bargain for food and water. Okay. They can't just fix the ship. Yeah. So the, the, they're holding the ship together with spit and sellotape. Is this actually what they were doing? No, this is what he felt they should yeah, do. okay. And he was quickly shown the door. Right. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to carry on doing next gen. But stuff. then look at Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, that's, they, they run that's out of literally what he does in Galactica. They have to yeah. find ammunition, they have to find water, they have to find food. The ship starts literally falling to bits around them. Yeah. And they have to keep keep it holding She's together. Her back. Yeah. She'll never jump again. She'll never jump again. And all the ideas that he would have done with Voyager Bleeds he ports over to Battlestar Galactica. Which probably made that a better show. Yeah. And would have made Voyager a better show. Yeah. 
but it's you know so that's so we that's, can't talk about season seven no so that's that's me star trekked out that's, and you've not done the sh- you've not to. done the films well the films come after don't they yes and um, you've seen the films years ago actually um so i barely remember them at right. all because i remember them being some of the first dvds you ever bought yeah like, the next generation DVD yeah the next generation movies i think the first one i may have bought may have been star trek first contact yeah so i've i've seen them many moons ago um, but that, that is that is where I'm up to. Right. In my What's on the list for season seven? So season seven. So we can uh, have a look. And I can't remember what I suggested so either. Best of. Uh, we've got Lower Decks. Yep. Not that one. Yep. <laughs> uh, at Farpoint and All Good Things. Yeah, you you have to have watched Farpoint for All Good Things to be as powerful. Right. And All Good Things is the single best finale a Star Trek show has ever done. Okay. Um, and that's it. Two. No, Gambit. Uh, I'm following the two lists. Gambit's, Gambit's fun. And then all good things. And then yeah. they move on to the movie. So from your list, though, uh, Descent. <clears throat> yeah, you have to watch Descent because it sets up lore and data. Um, Parallels and the Pegasus. Ab- the two single best episodes of the season. Uh, thine Own Self. Masks A brilliant data episode. And Genesis are terrible, yep. therefore very fun. Yeah. And so- Masks is brilliant for Brent Spider. <laughs> and Sub Rosa is fun for Beverly fucking a ghost. Yes. According to your That list. is literally what happens in the episode. She literally orgasms with a ghost. On on Star Trek. On primetime TV. On primetime TV. Beverly Crusher. Gates McFadden was asked to orgasm with a ghost. And she was like, is this show nearly done? Because <laughs> I'm tapped out. Uh, but yeah, season seven's not great. And there is very much a feeling in the back half of the show... They knew they were finishing. ...wrapping up loose ends. Right. And Ron Moore has said in... I used to read all those cinema fantastiques. I've still got them all. Okay. Which were deep dives into every season. Mm. Interviews with every writer, every director, everyone who worked on the show, every aspect of production was looked at. They didn't bother with the actors. Okay. Screw those guys. (laughs) The production side. And Ron Moore was very open and honest. We got halfway through the season and we were done. Right. We literally had no scripts in the can and uh, ideas. We were exhausted yeah. from seven years of doing this. We had nothing. So basically anyone who came in with an idea, we were like, right, write the script. They would just do it. Because, and then they asked us to go straight into writing the film. Right. Whilst we were working on all good things, okay. we were knackered. So they already knew they would continue Yeah, they knew films. season seven was done. Because at the end of season six, they were contracted to write the movie. Right, okay. And so they, in all through the year as well, him and Brandon Braga were tossing out ideas for the film while still working on season seven. Yeah. And the fact that his episodes of season seven are still some of the best. Well, it's this generations that they're working yeah, at this point. Because the, the problem they had there was the list of demands from the studio. It has to have some of the original cast in it. Okay. Nimoy said no. Right. D. Kelly said no. Yeah. So they had to keep Shatner happy because otherwise they don't have a film. Yeah, and that pandering becomes apparent when you watch the film because that film is not James T. Kirk; that's William Shatner. Okay, but all good <laughs> things is the best finale a Star Trek show has ever done. Okay, and it's brilliant. And I, st- I watched it last Christmas. Right, I was down here with the dogs, and you were asleep in the other day, <laughs> and I stayed here and watched all good things. Okay, because it's the best one they ever did. Well, I will quickly get up to that. Yeah, and then you've got the films, and then where are you going to go from there? So once I wrap up with uh, the next gen stuff after then, 
You, I presume it's, you'll carry on with Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I meant the next gen era. Yeah. So once those three shows and those films are done, it's either straight into Picard because that's only three seasons. Yes. Um, or it's Enterprise, Discovery, Strange New Worlds, and then Picard. It makes more sense for me to just finish Picard and get that out the way. But you kind of have to know who Seven of Nine is. But she's in Voyager. Yeah. Which are oh, you going to do all of Voyager? The deep, the, the next generation era. Those right. three shows. So you're going to do saying. Voyager? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the thing with Voyager is, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find a best of list that yes. will probably be. Well, like... I I watched Dead of Geeks Roadmap. Yeah. With occasional deviations from episodes that I remembered being quite good. Okay. Like there was a brilliant Q one that's about assisted death. Well, I will always watch the Q ones. Yeah, that's a good one. And there's 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 Voyager like I said, Voyager is the very definition of mediocre. Yeah. It's never awful, except when it is. Hmm. But it's never great, except when it is. Which is a shame. It's I uh, yeah, I think Voyager next, is resolutely C plus. I think Next Generation and those shows that followed it changed Star Trek to a different type of show that was never the same. No. So that's why I'm so interested and excited to watch Strange New Worlds to see what happens if we just made the original Star Trek, but now. Yeah, well, which is based on the premise of it. And I read an interesting interview one of the special effects guys mm. who said Disney are resolutely uninterested in updating Star Wars' look. Okay. They want everything to look like George made it in 1978. Yeah. Even with the new special effects technology, the volume and all that stuff, it still looks like George filmed it in 1978. Okay. That wasn't our approach with Strange New Worlds. With Strange New Worlds, we wanted it to be, if they made the original show today... How would they make it? Rodbury wouldn't make it looking like it did in 1966. Yeah. He'd want it to look like it was made now. And that was their idea. And when you get behind that, you're kind of like, all right, I'll go with you then. Mm. Even though the bridge doesn't look the same, and even though the costumes don't look the same. Yeah. The thing with the Strange New Worlds, it's got the best cast of any of these shows okay. since Voyager. Because what saves Voyager is its cast. They are all committed. Yeah. They all know what they're doing, apart from Robert Beltran, who's bored out of his tree most of the time <laughs> and makes no effort to hide it. Right, okay. But the rest of them are committed to it. Yeah. And they they work. The cast make it work even when the episode's out solid. Mm. Enterprise struggles in that regard because I there's a there's a couple of members of the cast that are very weak links. Yeah. Bacula's fine. The guy who plays Trip is fine. Right. And Topol rises above the fact that she's there to be to tits. Right. She gets beyond that by being just a pretty decent actor. I have also heard that Enterprise has one of the better season finales that is then undermined by the actual season finale. Yeah, the actual season finale is awful. But there's a two-parter in the season, in the final season set in the entire, entirely in the mirror universe. Okay, that is one of the most audacious things Star Trek ever did, mm. and they do embrace the aesthetic of the original. Right, Bacula even wears Kirk's green wraparound tunic. Okay, right. And he looks pretty damn good in it. Because <laughs> right. he's a lot thinner than Shatner. Mm. Um, but Enterprise is good. I like Enterprise. With the same caveat that, like, we don't need this as a prequel. Yeah. Why is it here? And then there's doing Borg episodes, and you're like, oh, God, what are you doing this for? <laughs> but it rises above that and eventually becomes its own thing. Okay. But it struggles post 9-11. Right. 
because they suddenly feel like they have to react to 9-11 because every TV in, show did. In a show that wasn't a reaction to it. Yeah. Like, like Battlestar was a reaction to 9-11. Yes. This wasn't. And with Battlestar, it's very organic. Yeah. And with Star Trek, it's like, okay. <laughs> right. But, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of it and that wonderful opening thing. Maybe there will be... Oh, God. It's been a long road. <laughs> maybe there will be a part three to this at yeah, some point. Maybe there will. You never know. And especially, I'd love to... Are you going to do Lower Decks and Prodigy and Discovery and all that shit? Oh, I'll do Discovery, but Lower Decks... Right. I can't stand... I've never seen Prodigy. I can't stand Rick and Morty, let alone I anything can't. that wants to be like Rick and Morty. Yeah. And the thing with Lower Decks is, I can't stand Beckett Mariner. And she's the lead character. Right. I like everybody else. Okay. And what I want, what I would like to see is she gets left behind and they all move on. <laughs> right. Because she's awful. She's an awful character. She deliberately screws up her friend's chance of promotion. Yeah. She deliberately screws up her friend's lives because everything's about her. And okay. she's incredibly self-centered. And it's... And then they'll do an episode that is actually genuinely good. Right. Even though it's supposed to be a comedy and I really find it funny. <laughs> But it's but it's that Rick and Morty it's, sense of humour. I, I I might watch it if I ever have nothing else to watch. That's when I watch it. <laughs> right. It's literally twenty two minutes long, so it's like oh, I'll put this on, yeah. and it's grown on me. Okay, because it's set like in the next generation like, era. Like a fungus might grow in your dirty trainers. Yeah, but I still can't stand that Beckett Mariner just thinks that screeching is funny. Oh, that's that's the thing now, though, isn't it? Yeah, just, yeah. Just screech a lot, and people will find you amusing. And I'm like, no. Nope. <laughs> But I like Jack Quaid's character. Right. Is he Jack Quaid? I, I don't know. He's Dennis Quaid's son. Right. I can't remember his name is Jack. He's in The Boys. Okay, again, He's Huey in The Boys. Oh, right, okay. Anyway, I like him. Okay. And I like Rutherford and I like Tendy. Tendy's an Orion slave girl character who has decided, I don't want to be a slave girl, I want to be a science officer. Okay. So she's interesting. Right. And Tendy's got this thing like Geordie, but they've gone into the whole aspect of, well... He didn't ask permission for you to do this to him. Okay. So, and there's there's been this whole conspiracy thing about why he's got this. Right. So there's interesting things in it. Just let down by the fact that it wants to be Family Guy. Yeah. And let down by the fact that the lead character is just awful. Right. But she's maturing a little bit, so we'll see where it goes. <laughs> but Strange New Worlds is, is great. Even your mum liked Strange New Worlds. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a good kind of... Yeah, well, routine. my argument with, if you're not making this show stuff for the nerd crowd, if you're yep. making this to appeal to a wider audience, if you get Angela, who loved Battlestar Galactica, mm. you've succeeded. Yeah. Because she's not married to this stuff like we are. She doesn't like it. She just won't watch it. Yeah. It's as simple as that. But she wouldn't let me watch Strange New Worlds without her. Okay. And I, I genuinely do. And fair play to the guy playing Spark, whose name I've forgotten. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually quite good. Well, that's that's the thing about Next Gen, is the, the kind of affection that Dana grew to have for it in the films doesn't give a toss about Next Gen. I've yeah. watched most of them on my own. That never... It never captured it what never, that original had. Whereas Strange New Worlds, every single one of the cast is brilliant. So maybe, maybe she'll get into that. Yeah. Apparently she got into Enterprise but doesn't remember it. Yeah, she watched <laughs> Enterprise with me. <laughs> yeah. So maybe she will she grew to quite like that. So anyway, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. 90 minutes of waffle. Recorded over about two and a half hours for very complicated reasons. Um, I'll be back with whatever I do on Palace next. Yeah. I never know. I just, I just, do, just do whatever you fancy. Yeah, I just do yeah. whatever I fancy. It's my show. My rules. 
My gaff. If you can't do what you want on your own show. Well, can you? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, normally, I would say to a guest, tell everyone where they can find you, but you don't do anything anymore. I don't. I'm, I'm like a lone wanderer, a traveller. <laughs> You're Dr. David Banner. I, I rock up on these other people's podcasts. You're Kane from Kung Fu. I spout some nonsense. Yeah. And then I disappear for another year. That's pretty much what I do. <laughs> anyway, so maybe we'll see you next year. We'll conclude Maybe. this. Well, I'll, I'll have seen some more Star Trek at that point. Yeah, you'll have seen some more Star Trek at that point. Okay, take care. Hey, kids, comics at virginmedia.com is the email. Hey, send me a message. <laughs> I love emails. They're my friends. And uh, take care. Everything's going to be fine, hopefully. I will see you all real soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.